Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Hunt Stand Podcast. Field Note Fridays, powered by Savage Firearms. Better comes standard. On this week's episode, we are continuing our five-week series called The Rut Race, and we are now into week two part two, whatever you want to call it. And this is the last week of October. And there are bucks going off everywhere. They are getting insane. They have one thing on their mind coming up. And this might be one of the easiest times of year to kill them. And so I'm not going to talk about that too much because we're going to let Justin Zarr talk about this from the bowhunting.com crew. And we're going to be getting into the seeking phase, you know, these bucks are still pre-ruddy and they're starting to go out there and look more for does and they're trying to find that first receptive doe. And so I'm gonna let Justin talk more on that. We just want to thank you for tuning in to the Hunt Stand podcast. If you haven't yet, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, follow on every listening platform or whatever listening platform you're on. The support is greatly appreciated. And again, y'all, if you haven't yet, make sure you have the Hunt Stand app downloaded, free, pro, and if you want to unlock all the features, specifically for November, upgrade to Pro Whitetail. I'm going to quit running my mouth, and let's get to it with Justin Czar. Um, so let's get into the second part. You know, these, these bucks are... Kind of in between that peakish, pre-ruddish time. So they're getting into that seeking phase. So this could be that time of year that, you know, you're it might be November 1st or that last week of October around Halloween. You sure. might be seeing these bucks on their feet more. Uh, you could be potentially seeing some new bucks. Uh, talk to me about how you approach essentially the, the Halloween time frame, if you will. Yeah. Week leading into Halloween, I would say is definitively my favorite week to hunt. Um, you may not see as many deer. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see the crazy rutting action and chasing all over mindlessly all day long. But 
it's when I've traditionally killed most of my better deer and had some of my best hunts. So I look forward to that week all, all year long. I look forward to it. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot like the week prior, but I'm going to get more aggressive. I'm going to spend more time in the woods. I'm going to sit longer on my mornings. I'm going to get out earlier on my afternoons. Um, that those are going to be the biggest changes, uh, aggressive decoys. I'm going to start bringing Mm -hmm. that with, uh, I'm going to start rattling a lot more. The deer are going to be a lot more responsive to calling that time of year. Um, they are really going to start seeking, like you said. So they're going to start hitting some of those doe bedding areas. So that's probably one of the biggest changes from like maybe the third week of October to the fourth week of October, that fourth week leading into Halloween. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I filmed a buck breeding a doe on like the 27th, 28th, something wow. like that. He was locked down with her and, and breeding wow. her. And he was in there for a couple of days. I almost killed him a couple of times. Just couldn't, couldn't quite pull it off. He came by in bow range, like three minutes before legal light one morning. Um, but, uh, so yeah, you, you'll see your first does pop in estrus. And, and this is the other thing that I had said, and you mentioned this earlier. A lot of guys think that the the new bucks, right? The bonus buck that you've never seen before, is going to show up during the peak of the rut, right? Mm-hmm. When things are crazy. In my experience, I start seeing them show up that last week in October. Same. And then I, I usually don't see them again. Usually most of the first couple of weeks in November seem to be my home bodies. And then I'll see maybe a few different ones show up at the tail end of the rut. So it seems like the very beginning of the rut and the tail of the rut for me is when I see those bucks show up that have never shown up before. Um, one of my big ones that I was chasing a couple of years ago, that's when he got killed by a neighbor who had never seen him before. Ugh. You know, I passed him the year before he was mid one fifties as a three-year-old. He blew <sighs> up to mid one nineties as a four-year-old and my neighbor killed him, you know, a mile and a half away. Oh my gosh. Uh, late October, never seen the buck. That didn't have sheds, didn't have pictures, didn't he just showed up one day chasing a doe in late October. So this is a great time of year for that. <laughs> and we all love when a random 190 shows up oh. that we've never we never seen before. Unfortunately, it's never happened to me. Um, but it does happen. So it's all about just again mm-hmm. more aggressive and then starting to key in on where the does are at. I think that's probably one of the bigger changes. You know, earlier in October, those bucks are up in daylight, but they're close to where they live. Yeah. And they're going out to feed and they're checking, you know, they're checking some does that maybe they share the same location that they feed. They're hitting scrapes. They're, they're doing all that stuff. But come late October, those bucks really start to be like, okay, there's a doe that's going to pop soon and they're looking for her. Mm-hmm. And it seems like if you happen to get one of those does that pops early in the late October, that's one of those times when you'll have every buck in the neighborhood all of a sudden just show up. And they'll be running, roam, roaming yes. around like satellites. The big yes. ones usually got her pinned down, and there's bucks just like satellite bulls all around. And he's trying to kind of fend off when that first doe comes into estrus. And it can be kind of a feast or famine time too. You know, if the neighbor's mm-hmm. got the hot doe and you don't, he's got all the all the bucks, and you don't. Uh, but again, for me, it's just being aggressive, starting to key in on doe bedding areas, uh, especially on those mornings. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like those bucks will stay up out of their bed a little bit more in the morning and they'll go kind of stomping through those doe bedding areas, trying to check them before they bed down for the day. So I've had some pretty good luck October mornings, uh, in those kind of doe bedding areas. Do you feel like this Halloween week, if you will, is kind of a, do you feel like these bucks are more random or you feel like it's a little bit easier to, I don't want to use the word patterning per se, but it's easier to get in front of them like we've talked about. 
I would say, yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason that so many big buck killers love this time of year mm-hmm. because they are still a little bit more predictable. The unpredictability of November is what makes it great, but what also makes it suck if there's yeah. a specific deer you're trying to kill. So these deer haven't really, for the most part, again, back to what I was saying earlier, they may find an estrus doe a mile away and they're gone. That doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they're still fairly predictable. They're usually, you know, the evening hunts a lot of times are still keying in on where they're betting at, getting up, going to food, checking does, working scrapes. I mean, that's a big October evening thing. Mornings is more for me anyways, like kind of where the does are, are hanging out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still think they're a lot more predictable um, before November gets here. And then it's like all bets are off. Do you approach, I know you kind of talked about, you may take some decoys. Do you get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more aggressive with rattling and grunting or will you even use a bleak call or anything on this, this time? Yeah. I mean, I love to rattle personally. I was a guy that never, I rattled when I was younger and never had a lot of success with it. Mm-hmm. And then I had some friends that just rattled all the time. And, you know, rattling is, to me, it's like going fishing. You oh, know, yeah. I'm going to go out fishing in the morning and I might throw 500 casts to catch five fish. Mm-hmm. Rattling is very much the same way. Like it's not going to work much more than a very, very small percentage of the time. But if you're not doing it, it's never going to work. So for me, that's true. I'm, I'm banging the horns together because I just don't see a lot of downside to it. Yeah. Um, the only times that maybe, uh, there's a couple times, I guess I, that I shy away from rattling one, if I'm hunting a, a setup where my wind is a little bit questionable and it's way too easy for that, for a deer to get downwind of me, if it knows that not that I'm there, but that something's going on there, I may be hesitant to rattle. Um, also, I, I like to rattle at deer quite a bit uh, if I see them, if I can put eyes on them. But again, I'm not going to rattle if it's one of those situations where he's already headed downwind in that general direction. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you rattle to a deer, they almost never just turn and come in on a string. They're going to try to get downwind of you almost every single time. So, you know, if you happen to be in a scenario where it makes it a lot more advantageous for you, more difficult for him to get downwind, depending on where he's at or what his body language is, you know, I may choose to not rattle or call to him. If mm-hmm. I think like, man, this deer is not responding to my grunts or my bleats or my snort wheezes. If I rattle and get his attention, he's just going to circle downwind to me and, and I'm going to blow this spot the up. Jig is up. So I, yeah. So I may just not do anything and wait for a better opportunity. Uh, but if I've got a good spot where I'm like, yeah, I don't think many deer are going to be able to get downwind of this spot. Like, yeah, man, I'm rattling all the time. I might rattle every 30 minutes. I'm one of those guys where the neighbor's like, my God, this dude next door was rattling every freaking 30 minutes all morning long. You're like the guy that's in the woods that gets the, in the elk woods, that gets that note left on the windshield. It's like, you, (laughs) you don't bugle all that time. Like they follow that born and raised tactic of what is it like bugle every 200, 400 yards or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it, these deer are moving around. There's, there's a couple things. Number one, rattling isn't quite as loud as you think it is. It's loud because you're holding the antlers in your hands, but you get somebody out there, even a guy that's 100, 200 yards away from you and you rattle and he's like, yeah, I kind of heard it faintly, you know, but it's not carrying. I don't think as far as we think it's carrying. I would agree with that. And those deer are moving around all morning. Mm -hmm. So every couple minutes you could have a deer 
move into or out of whatever your zone of sound is. Yeah. So if there's a deer in your zone and you rattle, he, he may not respond. Like, but I don't think he's gonna like run away to the next county. You know, he yeah. might hear it and be like, yeah, I'm not really interested in fighting today. I'm going to just go about my business. And then you may get a deer that's like, yeah, I do want to go check that out. So again, I don't see a lot of downsides to it. Um, and I've rattled in a few bucks the last couple of years that I've killed. Mm-hmm. And I've rattled in a lot more bucks. Again, since I started rattling more frequently, I've rattled in a lot more bucks. You've bettered you know, your odds. just the way that it goes, right? Yeah. It's like throwing more casts when you're out fishing. You got to throw You know, that's casts. why tournament yeah. fishermen are just, you know, nonstop cast, 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 cast in the strike zone. And once that lure moves 10 feet, they're pulling it out of the water and doing it again, right? It's just maximizing the likelihood of success. Increasing the frequency. Yeah, for sure. I got to ask, when you rattle, I have found a, I don't know if you've done this or tried this or you may do it, but I have found instead of holding antlers in my hand, I have actually attached a, small not small I've, I've attached a paracord on my hip or i'll attach it at like the base of my tree stand and i'll let the that ground like, noise i will do the ground noise man especially when you get that leaf cover like yeah. God. and then like if you see one coming you can just simply or gently set that paracord rope down instead of having to worry about hanging it back up and putting a hand on a bow have you tried that i haven't i don't know how i feel about it a lot of times i feel like I mean, I've rattled in plenty of deer without it. I don't know that the ground noise makes a difference to a buck. If I just don't know if they're smart enough to like rationalize. I didn't hear any hooves on the ground, so that's not an actual deer. I think once they hear those antlers, yeah, they're either interested or they're not. That's I'm not sure there's any level of like cadence that I can change. Because the thing is, if you've watched or seen deer fighting in the wild. Sometimes they're just pushing each other around. Sometimes they're super loud. Sometimes it's a 30 second or less thing and not again. Sometimes they go for 20 minutes and they don't stop. That's true. You know, and I've seen, I've seen all of it. So it's like, I'm not sure there's a wrong way to do it. Deer don't follow a script when they're fighting each other out in the woods. So I think the idea is just to get their attention. And again, if they're in the right mindset, I think they're going to come regardless. So that's just been my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it's always, you know, what has been funny to me too. I was thinking I rattled a little bit last night. I was thinking this, I'm in my tree rattling, making as much noise as I can. And then I go to put the antlers down and I'm like gently setting them in the tree. And I'm thinking, why does it matter how much noise I make setting them in the tree? I literally just made as much noise as I can make. I uh, know it's probably because you have like <laughs> that wishful thinking thought in your head. It's like, man, there's probably a buck like right there. I'm going to set these. Yeah, gently, I got to be quiet. It, I'm going to be screwed. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was funny. I caught myself doing it. I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, now I'm worried about being quiet. I don't want my antlers to bang into each other when they're next to me on the tree. Man, I but guess... yeah, calling calling's a big thing for me here, tail end of, of October for sure. Big time. Well, I think that pretty much covers us for essentially that seeking phase, if you will. Uh, I guess you still yeah. kind of classify it as pre-rut. Um but yeah, I'll... like I, I mean, like I said, I think you're going to see your first does come into estrus, mm-hmm. um, you know, the last couple of days of October. And then, you know, that's when things start getting crazy. When that smell of estrus is in the air, that's oh, yeah. really when, when the woods start to light up seemingly. Big time. But again, I'm going to, I'm going to make more time to be in the woods. I'm going to sit longer, you know, right now I'm still thinking, 
you know, leading into that last week, mm-hmm. I'm usually only seeing deer activity the last hour, hour and a half of daylight. Now it could be two, three hours before dark. You're starting to see deer move around, yeah, absolutely. you know? So, and again, in the mornings, early and mid October, you may only get the first 30 to 60 minutes of the morning that actually has any activity. I've killed multiple deer in late October, the last week of October, where it's nine and 10 o'clock in the morning and these bucks are still up on their feet. So again, I'm going to sit longer. I'm going to start hunting my better spots. I'm going to get more aggressive. I'm going to rattle. I'm going to decoy. I'm going to start using, you know, buck piss scent. You know, that's kind of my chosen one. I like to use the buck lure rather than the doe and estrus. I've just had more luck with it. Um, so yeah, that that's late October for me. Get in the woods, get aggressive. I can't, man. All right, y'all, there you go. That is an end to part two of this Field Note Friday series of the Rut Race powered by Savage Firearms. We just want to thank y'all for tuning in again, and we'll see you on the next one.